Welcome to Limitless with Abby Scholes. I hope that this podcast encourages you by sharing stories of West Texas A&M University faculty, students, and graduates. Additionally, I hope it challenges you to become a better person. This is Abby Scholes, and I hope you enjoy this episode where I use my voice for his purpose. Now let's meet our guests and show the world how we all can be limitless. Well, on today's episode of Limitless, uh, we have Dr. Kevin Pond in studio, and I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, Dr. Uh, Pond is the dean of the college, and I'm really excited to what he has to offer today. So thanks for joining me, Dr. Pond. Really glad to be here. Yes. So first of all, um, I'm going to have a question that I ask every person on the podcast, and that question is, who or what has encouraged you to be limitless in your life? I'd say it would have to start with my parents. My parents uh, were... Uh, I was an only child, and so my parents put all their energy into me, and uh, they uh, they taught me that uh, to think big, uh, to work hard, and all things are possible. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Some that, something that definitely doesn't go out of style, that's for sure. So, um, so with that, you kind of mentioned your parents a little bit. Um, being an only child, tell us a little about a little bit about your background. Yeah, I was born in Denver, Colorado. My dad was actually uh, working on his PhD at Oklahoma A&M at the time, Oklahoma State now. And uh, at that time there was mandatory draft and so he got drafted and was in the Army and stationed at Fitzsimmons Army Hospital. And my mom tells a story that uh, when I was born, the first present that I received as a young child was from the President of the United States. And that was true. Wow. Dwight Armstrong, sorry, Dwight Eisenhower was the president of the United States and he had suffered a heart attack. And he was in Fitzsimmons Army Hospital recuperating from the heart attack. And flowers from around the world came in to, uh, to, to, for his room and he sent them to the maternity room. So my mom always said, you got flowers from the president the day you were born. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Well, um, you'll hear a little bit later on the episode, Dr. Pond has a a very long history of running into famous people, so I guess it was just uh, the telltale of a long sign when you got president or flowers from the president at birth. So that's really cool. So um, tell us about a little bit where you grew up um, and kind of how you got to WT. I grew up in upstate New York. My dad, after finishing at Oklahoma State, um, took a job at Cornell University in animal science. He was a professor of animal science nutrition, working primarily with pigs. And so we moved to Ithaca, which is in upstate New York, away from the city, uh, beautiful countryside, lots of water, gorges, lakes, trees, lots of dairy and so forth. And so I grew up as a, as a son of a college professor in a college town, in, uh, and we had a farm there in upstate New York. So that's where I would, grew up, and I actually went on to college there at Cornell for my undergraduate in animal science. That's awesome. Very cool. So um, I obviously went to junior college in Colorado for a while, and Dr. Pond spent a little bit of time in Colorado, too, in his professional career. So kind of talk a little bit about that and how you got um, ultimately to WT. Yeah, I had a couple of stops on the on the way. I'll, I'll talk about those briefly. I went to Texas A&M for my graduate work and I did a master's and Ph.D. in nutrition. Uh, started my career in North Carolina State and was on the, on the uh, faculty there all the way through um, being a full professor. Um, my first uh, job back in Texas was at Texas Tech University and I served as the department head of animal and food science there for about 15 years before going to Colorado State uh, where I was the department head of the animal science program there. 
That's awesome. Very cool. You've met a lot of people, I'm sure, along the way that have influenced you to where you are now. And that's awesome, the amount of places you've got to see and everything. So kind of going, going back to what you said about New York, I think um, that's really unique. You don't think that somebody that ended up in you know West Texas would be from upstate New York. And I think it's cool for our listeners to hear that, you know, outside of the news today, we hear a lot about New York and <laughs> specifically New York City. And that usually gets a bad connotation, but it's really cool to hear from somebody that's directly involved in our culture that, no, there are good parts parts of every um, story too. So that's awesome to hear. So um, kind of tell us a little bit about uh, what you do at WT now and then kind of what that means to you. Yes, uh, WT, I have the pleasure of serving as a dean of the Paul Engler College of Agriculture and Natural Sciences. And what that means is the dean is over the departments associated with the college. That would include the Department of Agriculture. It would include uh, Department of Chemistry and Physics and also the Department of Life, Earth, and Environmental Sciences. So where your biologies, microbiology, geology, atmospheric science, those kind of programs are housed. So the Dean is uh, over all of those areas um, and works with the department heads in each of those areas to make sure that we have great students coming in and have good degree programs and uh, that they have great activities to uh, make them prosperous uh, uh, when they get into the workforce. Yeah, we're this by now in episode one, kind of sharing the story about, um, you know, how Limitless Podcast with Abby Scholes became to be. But uh, Dr. Pond was a really crucial part of that um, whole um, kind of process to get this podcast going. And so it's kind of a full, full circle moment to about a month and a half ago when he said, you know, you should... Uh, somebody should start a podcast and now here we are recording it in studio so uh, Dr. Pond what he won't tell you is that he uh, does a lot for students and he cares deeply about them uh, wants them to succeed and so he's always looking for opportunities um, to serve uh, the college but also the students within it which is a uh, very hard pressed to find at a university um, Dr. Pond teaches classes um, interacts with students daily and so I think that's really unique and something special to him um, so what has been the most uh, rewarding part of your life or something um, that's been really rewarding that you've gotten to do over the last several years? I think um, most rewarding and probably that influenced me a lot was uh, a lot of international travel. Early in my career, I was involved with uh, projects at, uh, with USAID and uh, USDA that uh, took me to um, Northern Africa, took me to South America, um, took research to uh, Southeast Asia. And so those were great because I got to see different culture. I got to live with the people there, got to experience what their needs were, work with them, and actually even train many of them back in the United States at the universities. So that was very much rewarding to give me a more of a global picture of what agriculture and what people are. Yeah, that's awesome. Agriculture is so much more than, you know, sometimes we think it is. Even from, you know, growing up in Nebraska down here to West Texas, there's cotton and all sorts of different commodities that I didn't grow up with. And certainly it changes across the globe. And so I think it's important for our listeners, you know, Dr. Pond, you might agree with this, that if you have the chance to travel internationally and go see those different things, that I think it's very important to do so. Um, I think it gives you a whole another view on agriculture. So that's awesome. So uh, what has been... Um, you know, the most influential part about being at WT or why did you choose to come to WT in the first place? It's a great question. I've been at great institutions. Um, and uh, at the Colorado State, I was in a good position um, and really expected that probably to be my last stop. Um, but there's something about um, WT that um, the stars seem to be aligning. Um, you have a great history uh, of a good faculty, good teaching faculty, some good research, 
located in the heart of uh, agriculture, and particularly animal agriculture. Um, a uh, group of, um, of investors that invested in uh, a new facility here along with the state. And you look at that and go, wow, that's pretty impressive. They're, they are growing. Other places are stagnant. Um, and looked, came down here and looked at the position and um, the, the final, final thing that made the decision, my wife is from the Panhandle. So she was a Dumas demon. So I, I also get to say that I did marry the devil because she was the Dumas demon. But anyway, we came down to look at this. Her mother was a Methodist minister, uh, one of the first females in the Panhandle who were ministers uh, in the Methodist religion. And we toured around campus to make sure we kind of liked the area and uh, pulled up to the new building, which had not been opened yet. And I said, let's just park in the Dean's parking spot. And so I parked in the Dean's parking spot and right in front of us on the side of the building was a church and a school um, that is part of the decoration of the history of agriculture mm -hmm. in the Panhandle. And my wife looked at me and she said, that's Mama's church. She said, do you need another sign? <laughs> wow. And so it became pretty obvious that we needed to come to WT and so we did. Wow, that's awesome. And I think that um, one picture kind of shows WT's values. When I came to tour here, um, you know, you sat out in the lobby in the um, faculty department and talked to me and my family for 45 minutes and just wanted to get to know me. And so I think that's really what solidified my decision as well, as well as like the strong faith and agriculture backgrounds that run deep here. Um, would you remind our listeners, when was Pauline Building built? We've been in five years. So it was um, the dedication was in uh, September of 18. So that was when the dedication occurred and so and, and we moved in at that time period. I actually accepted the job the week of the dedication of the building. So okay. the building was completed um, and I accepted the job and then arrived in December of 18. Nice. That's very cool. The bag departments are kind of behind sometimes because the funding isn't there, you know, other issues, what have you. But um, that's what sets WT apart, I think, is that we have so many generous people like Paul Engler himself and, uh, you know, Cavanis with the uh, meat laboratory and everything like that. There's been so many generous people that have uh, provided for us students to have a uh, top of the notch place to be and um, go to school. And, you know, we're actually in um, the building right now recording this episode. And so just... Um, goes miles for what WT stands for and how much they value their students. It's pretty nice to just walk upstairs to uh, go to a nice studio to be able to record this. So I would agree 100%. And we for have great facilities. Yeah, for a young college student who doesn't have a lot to invest in something, it's really nice that those opportunities are right at our fingertips all the time. Um, what do you wish you would have told your freshman self back in college at Cornell? Um, probably to experience more of the things going on around me. Uh, Cornell was really, really academically rigorous, and if you didn't study, you didn't, you didn't pass, and they didn't care. I mean, they had another group of students coming in right wanting your spot, so yeah. you had to study hard. So I didn't do a lot of things that I probably should have taken advantage of, and that's one thing I encourage our students to do now, whether it's a, uh, going to New Zealand uh, next month, we have a group of students doing that, or if it's being involved in a club, or doing doing extracurricular activities, uh, internships, and so forth. Um, I didn't take full advantage of what was around me, and that's what I would, I would do if I had to do it again. And that's what I tell students to do now. 
yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Uh, Dr. Pond, like I mentioned kind of earlier as we started recording this, um, Dr. Pond has a long uh, line of randomly meeting famous people. Started when he was in the hospital and now, um, you know, all the way to even present day, I'm sure he comes in contact with people of high stature all the time. Um, you told a unique story about a time at Cornell, um, and this kind of relates back to your advice that you would wish you to take more opportunities. Um, you met somebody pretty famous um, at a gathering one time. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about that? It's one of my most embarrassing moments, <laughs> and you want me to share it. Okay. I think so. <laughs> um, as I said, Cornell was really tough, and so we, we studied hard, but when it came time to release, we partied hard. <laughs> and uh, it would be, um, uh, it was a spring break um, type of event, and we had... Um, I won't mention the fraternity, but it was a fraternity party that uh, brought in a semi-truck that had uh, kegs of beer and had taps along the side, and we'd have two to 3,000 people at the party. And the job that I had with one of my friends who was a member of that fraternity was to keep, make sure that the kegs of beer stayed tapped so they never ran out of beer. So we were doing that all night. And midway through that evening, uh, an older guy came up, and we're talking with him, and he um, he said, well, if you want a beer, have a beer, and he got a beer, and we talked some more, and finally, we thought he was the town drunk. We weren't sure who he was. He <laughs> said, well, who are you? And he said, well, I'm Neil Armstrong. We go, oh yeah, Neil Armstrong. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That Neil Armstrong. And then we knew he was a town drunk. So we gave him grief the whole night. I mean, picked on him, treated him like one of the guys, and really weren't very nice. About two weeks later, we were at a banquet at a school north of Cornell, Wells College. And we were sitting around the table with our dates and uh, they're introducing themselves, and one of them said, Oh, and you met so-and-so's uncle. And I said, What do you mean we met your uncle? Well, he was down at your party. And her name was Armstrong. And we went, Oh, no. <laughs> Neil Armstrong, like the astronaut Neil Armstrong that first walked on the moon, that's your uncle? Yes, and oh, he had such a wonderful time because you treated him like one of the guys. <laughs> well, we were flabbergasted and embarrassed because we spent an entire evening with the guy that put, took the first step on the moon, could have asked him any questions. We thought he was a town drunk and we made fun of him all night. <laughs> a missed opportunity for sure. <laughs> that is one of my favorite stories. I think um, if you guys know Dr. Pond at all, it just kind of explains the random things that happen in his life and who he kind of bumps shoulders with. And so I think that's uh, pretty cool that you guys tell that story, even if you didn't know it was Neil Armstrong at the time and thought it was just some guy messing around. So, well, this might relate to this question. I don't think this will be the answer. I don't think Neil Armstrong will be the answer, but who has been the most influential person in your life and why? You know, I've often thought of, can you pinpoint one, and there's not one. Um, you know, I, I started out telling you that uh, those people that uh, taught me to go go think big and so forth were my parents. Um, I worked for several people on the way in high school that were, um, that were corporate executives, and I took care of their estate. Um, I got to interact with them. Uh, professors that I had at, uh, at Cornell and elsewhere were tremendous. Um, um, 
Carl Sagan. Um, wouldn't mean anything to your generation, but he had a TV show and all that on Cosmos, and he was an astronomer. Um, Rod Serling, the one who created the Twilight Zone, he was an English professor I had. So oh, wow. I had some really neat people that were uh, that taught me there. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, your major professor in, in college, they invest a lot of time in you, they help. Um, and then mentors that I had with people that hired me. and. Um, uh, Bob Albin, I can think about it uh, at Texas Tech, who hired me as a as a department head, and I was I was 39 when they hired me, and well, that's pretty young. Yeah, and went into that, and he had a lot of faith in me, and he he knew when to kick me and knew when to praise me, and that that helped a lot. So, I think along the way, there are a lot of mentors and a lot of people that really helped guide me to make me successful. So I'm a combination of a lot of people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think this kind of statement would ring true for your situation and mine of it's not about what you know, it's more about who you know. It's um, important that you do know something about your subject matter, obviously, but um, it's really important to have those people that are, um, you know, sometimes influential to help you get where you need to go. I know that I've had several situations in my life where it's like, oh, no, I, I'm stuck and I don't really know where to go. And I just make a couple of phone calls and usually um, between God and them, it's usually fixed. So that's helpful. But um, I think that is yeah, just speaks a lot about who you are, Dr. Pond, and all those people that have helped shape you. I think it's really awesome. What has, um, or I guess, how has being a professor at WT uh, changed you or shaped you? Changing from being a, um, a department head of a particular area, like animal science or food science, um, which is fairly broad but still fairly narrow, moving into a dean's position where you're now worried about chemistry and you're worried about physics and you're worried about the preparatory courses that are involved with uh, making sure we have good uh, veterinarians and doctors and pharmacists and so forth um, really was a stretch for me. I had a background in those areas because of my science background, uh, but they're different kind of people. They're not typical ag people. Um, so that was one that was a challenge for me, but it turned out to be great because the culture here at WT is that it's student first, it's teaching to teach, it's not a burden, and that the people that are preparing our students in the sciences, which I was really concerned about, they end up being not the ones that close the door for people wanting to go on to uh, med school or dental school. They're the ones that help open the door because they get prepared very well. So if you look at some of the things that have happened in the last five years, our acceptance rates to uh, to vet school, for instance. Last year we had 35 students that applied to go to vet school across the country, uh, to any vet school. 28 of them, 28 out of 35 were accepted and are now in vet school this fall. Yeah. Incredible, how does that occur? It occurs because they have a good background, they have good study habits, they're prepared well, and the rest of the story is that those students perform very well in vet school, med school, pharmacy school, wherever it happens to be, because they are very well prepared, they know how to work, they know how to get along, they know how to work with each other, and they're very successful. Yeah. And, and that makes makes it really exciting. Yeah, that speaks volumes, especially about Dr. Posey and um, a lot of those, you know, 
especially chemistry and biology professors that just go into preparing those students. I know I have a good friend right now that's in them, and it's not easy, but the Hearst professors are always willing there, you know, providing SI sessions. Dr. Posey's usually a phone call away uh, mm-hmm. when he answers his phone. <laughs> just kidding, but um, he's usually always there to help and, you know, be of hand, and so I think that um, is really awesome. I think, you know, one of my biggest concerns about coming to a university was, um, I came from a small junior college, obviously, that everybody knew everybody, and I was worried that I was going to get here and just be a number, because that's, you know, a general um, kind of story you hear from college students that go to universities, but I can tell you listeners that this is not the case at WT, and I'm not saying that uh, just because the dean's sitting right in front of me, I'm saying that because I genuinely believe it, and um, all the professors have taken time to get to know me. And even when they don't know something, you know, Dr. Pond wasn't an expert in chemistry or physics, um, but has taken the time to learn, uh, you know, specific things it needs to learn about those areas. And so I think that speaks volumes of um, to who WT is and what we stand for, for sure. Um, we'll kind of wrap up here pretty quick, but what um, has been your favorite part about teaching at WT? I think um, the students. Um, you know, at several institutions, you have students that are pretty predictable. Um, they come in because their parents were there before. A lot of them didn't want to be there. Um, some of them come in because CSU, because you have beautiful ski slopes right near. You have <laughs> other things that are legal in the state that attracted some students. And so you have a variety of students that were not necessarily there primarily for the education they're going to get. Yeah. At, uh, at WT, the students, they come from all over. Um, more than half our students are from Texas, obviously. But then the next state is Colorado. Um, and then we have, we have states, and in fact, the class that uh, we have together has 25 students, and we have 11 states represented in that group of transfer students. Yep. So we have students that come that have strong work ethic, that have a strong desire to learn, uh, they want to be engaged in the industry that they love, and so it makes the job much easier in working with students like that to get them the experiences that they need, the placements that they have in internships, and eventually in jobs. And they'll be great alumni as well. Yeah. So that that's probably what makes the most exciting thing to me. And we are small. Yep. You know, the entire Department of Agriculture is we've just passed over 1,100 students. 1,134 was the official number this fall. Um, five years ago, we were at 800. Yeah. So it is growing rapidly, and it's growing with, uh, with great students. Um, and um, I think the students also come in with a desire to be excellent, and so our competitive teams. Uh, we don't compete in a, in a junior college division or a um, a D1, D2 division, we go head to head with everyone. And, yep. you know, last week was a great week. Um, our Soils team went on to the national, it's going to go on to the national uh, championship. They beat every team in Texas to, yep. be, to go there. Um, our, uh, our meets judging team uh, won the uh, uh, Kansas City Royal, um, set a tied an all time high score. And this is against the Texas A&M's. Uh, uh, Oklahoma State's, Texas Tech's, uh, K-State's, all of the big schools, and we're there right with them. And uh, I think that is really exciting that a smaller school like WT has students across a large number of disciplines that are at the top end of the spectrum when it comes to competing nationally. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. 
No, I would agree. And I like to think of WT as, you know, smaller size, but big connections, right? There's, you know, we're in um, kind of, you mentioned it earlier, kind of in the heart of cattle country and, you know, animal agriculture. And so we attract students from all over because of that. Um, but then, all, yeah, also our competitive teams are excellent. I know I'm going through a meat animal eval course right now. I know absolutely nothing about meats, um, but Sir Semler, uh, Dr. Luchek have been excellent in, uh, you know, making sure that we understand. And then um, those students that are meats kids, they have been so willing to help us, you know, learn. And so I think the culture here is awesome. You know, um, Dr. Williams is famous for saying when culture is right, cognition thrives. And I think that is so true uh, to what WT stands for and who we are as people. Um, it's excellent to just be somewhere that you know um, when I have WT at, on my resume when I graduate that I'm proud of that. And I think that's important for every student, you know, no matter where you are, um, to appreciate that and take pride in um, what your alma mater is for sure. So what, um, as we kind of close this episode, Dr. Pond, what is one thing uh, you want students at WT and across the world um, to know or um, kind of a piece of advice? I think um, as you're choosing a school, you probably need to go and see it firsthand. You can be fooled from what's on the internet. You need to go and see if you fit into the culture, if the students that you're gonna be spending the next two to four years of your life or longer um, are the type you wanna spend time with, um, and if uh, the type of professor that is there fits, fits your style. And I think visiting schools would do that. We encourage uh, people to come here. Uh, we have people that uh, spend time with them, including faculty members, to make sure that people understand. It could be the student themselves, could be the student and their parents, could be the student and a group of other students, and it could be a whole variety of things. But I think going to the place that you think you want to go and experiencing it firsthand and talking to the students and talking to the faculty you'll get a feel as to where you fit. Yeah, and that's so I think true. Hopefully it'll be WT. Um, if, it, if it's your fit, we'd love to have you. Yeah, I think that speaks volumes. Um, just of, you know, what we are. I mean, you don't want to be somewhere that you don't fit in and you want to and you want to feel right at home. And I think that's what, you know, why we have such an exponential number of students here is because a lot of people do feel at home here. But, um, you know, I know in junior college, I always gave tours to our recruits and um, I always told them and the team and our coach always mentioned, you know, we want you here and that's really important to us. But if this isn't right for you, you're not going to enjoy it. And so you need to find somewhere uh, that you love and enjoy. And I know that, you know, a lot of students, it may take three or four college visits to find the place. So, you know, that certainly was the, w was the way it was for me. I went to a um, junior college visit and thought I was going to go there. I went to a university, knew I was probably going to go there after two years. And I didn't end up going to either of them. <laughs> I, met a, I went to a different junior college and a different university. And so um, when they say, you know, you know, I guess that's pretty true of finding a college and finding a home that's right for you for a couple of years. So yeah, well, thank you so much, Dr. Pond, for uh, joining me on uh, this episode two of Limitless with Abby Scholes. Um, I really appreciate your time and just all the things that you do for the college. Um, it really means to me and um, all the other students on campus. So thank you. Sure enjoyed talking with you. Good luck with the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Limitless. Share this podcast with a friend. Give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook. But most importantly, go use your God-given abilities to show the world how you can be Limitless.